0: Sly as a fox, coach it in pop, give him his props, here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try, careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean Dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake, whoa, Fantasy Roundtable, Fantasy, Fantasy Roundtable, yeah. Fantasy Roundtable, come take a look at the crown, baby, hey, Fantasy Roundtable, Fantasy, Fantasy Roundtable, Fantasy Roundtable, come take a look at the crown, baby, go.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. By the time you are hearing this, my two co-hosts will be uh, hopefully living it up in Ohio while I am here working. But what else is new? Uh, Today we are going to be looking at the second half of the AFC East. uh, And Matt is back with us because there's no bigger Tua Tagovailoa truther. Than Matt Bruning, he has a lot of square footage on his back on the line with Tua, so he's he's always going to check in. Matt, how are you doing today?
2: I am just super excited to talk about Tua. That that's really it. I saw he's he's made some like super impressive throws in camp against Ayers, so. I can't wait till he's able to do that in actual games, you know, with the defense not paying attention, so like it's I'm super excited. Now, I'm I'm excited obviously by the time most people will be listening to this Friday, uh, I believe Dennis will already be at the expo. I'll be about to be in route, so uh, excited for that this weekend. It sounds like it's going to be bigger and better than it was last year. So, anybody listening to this that's in the Canton area or in Ohio that wants to come by, come by. Not just if you don't want to just see us. I mean, everybody's going to be there. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm, I'm excited to get up there and have a little bit of fun with everybody. Yeah,
3: I, uh, you know, I, it's wild. I'm listening to Sirius XM radio and Jeff Radcliffe is talking about it today. And he's like, you know, they tried to do this like 10 years ago. And he's like me and John Hansen and two other big names at the time. We did this panel. There were like 200 seats in the room, and there were four people. And I can tell you, that's not what it was like last year. Last year, it was crazy. And even Radcliffe was like, you know, I, he's like, for whatever reason, Bob Lung has hit it, and uh, it's, it's working in Canton. He's tied it in with the Kings Classic. Draft night out comes there, does drafts on Saturday. Um, you know, there's get-togethers all the time. Uh, there's a poker night going on, on poker game going on on Saturday this year. Um, QB challenge, flag football. It's it's turned into quite the event for both fantasy football fans to be able to, and players to be able to interact with people like us and people they hear on the radio um, and see on TV and, and just kind of hang out, pick the brains, get feedback talk trades talk drafts talk players it's a phenomenal event
2: yeah and i mean what makes it even more fun too is just getting to know the personal side of people i actually think i had more conversations with just people about everything and anything life than actual football last weekend so i'm excited especially because a lot of the people i met last year people we've all interacted with on twitter i've never met face to face like most of the co-founders of the website i'd never met face to face so being able to meet everybody that we did face to face last year and then now getting a chance to go back and meet everybody and kind of follow up on certain conversations. You know, you just mentioned Jeff Radcliffe and I me. Mean, I know we both listened to John Hansen. They're hosting, I think, the Friday night party. He's been pumping it up all week as well on SiriusXM. XM. Like it's I, I really can't wait. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And we just Matt, as soon as we go full time and we're able to bring you on full time, like we can actually get you out there so you can take a take a couple days off and come join us.
1: In the meantime Quarterback challenge. You're going to have it there. That could also describe the two teams we're going to look at um, <laughs> later today. Before we get to that, there was some other sad news. We're we're recording this on Tuesday. So by the time you hear it, there might be additional sad news based on uh, some of Roger Cadell's uh, incendiary comments today about Cleveland. But our sad news that we definitely have is poor Roquan Smith. You know, he's out there toiling away in Chicago for a mere million this year um, says that he has completely been devalued by the bears and would like to have a trade. Matt, do you think he gets traded?
2: That's a good question. I think it depends on if someone offers him something decent for him, I guess. I mean, I, I think he's a, I don't know that he's lived up to the hype that was put on him coming out. I know in a lot of dynasty leagues where, where we have IDPs, he was a very highly drafted rookie. A lot of people expected him to be really good. And I think he's been fine. Maybe he has not lived up to the hype that unfairly people put on him, I guess I would say. I would be interested to see what anybody offers him. and That would be the only thing. I mean, I think it's fair to say the Bears are not expecting to contend this year. So if maybe they get like a second round pick from like why not move him? If you're not planning on keeping him and making him part of your long-term future rebuild with the Chicago Bears – Why not move on from why not get what you can and try and help continue to rebuild this franchise? You know,
3: I think Roquan has been a very, very good player. He's been good for IDP. I roster him in a few spots. I've been satisfied with him. I mean, yeah, it's easy to, to look at a player coming in with a lot of hype and, and set unrealistic expectations. I mean, there's a limited number of elite players and coming into the league we tend to put too many players in that category. Ro- Roquan Smith is a very very good linebacker. If I'm the Bears, I'm like no, we're not going to trade you. You're, you know, we'll work on a deal, but he's a really good player and if you're if if you think you're not that far away in a rebuild, if I'm a new GM, The last thing I want to do is trade possibly my best defensive player away who's only, what, 25?
1: Yeah, he was drafted in 2018, so can't Yeah, so he may be 26. But,
3: yeah, I I mean, I think he's a good player. I I mean, obviously, if somebody comes in and blows you away, uh, you
1: you make a deal. But what's going to be interesting to me, so – I think he is really good at his position. I saw something that said every year he's played, he's had at least a hundred tackles, two sacks, and an interception, which tells you he's kind of all over the field. But that utility big-time middle linebacker, while it was a hallmark of football for decades, given the pass-happy nature that we've gone into, the money on defense has kind of swung to elite pass rushers and elite pass defenders. No, I was listening to NFL radio this morning, they were talking about it's probably a situation of he's really great at his position, but his position isn't quite as valuable as it used to be. And particularly, they noted for Matt Eberflus, when he was uh, the defensive coordinator in Indianapolis, his players on defense that were on the field the most were the outside linebackers. I didn't, Did you guys know Darius Leonard changed his name to Shaq Leonard?
2: Yeah. I actually did find that out this weekend at my home <laughs> Dynasty League draft because we were talking about him. I was like, oh, yeah, Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers. I was like, who's that? I'm like, how do you not know who Darius Leonard is? And they're like, no, it's whatever he said to Chase. Shaquille. Shaquille.
1: Shaquille. Shaquille. Like, Shaquille.
2: Or he was like, so, he's like, you mean Shaquille Leonard? I'm like, who? I've never heard of Shaquille Leonard. What are you talking about?
1: So the suggestion that they had this morning is that, well, Roquan said he's been working on this since April, but the reason he's really agitating for it now is that he may have seen that he won't have quite the prominent place in the Bears current defensive scheme and this being a contract you're wanting to make sure you max out for a lot of these young players it's that first contract after your rookie contract is really you know kind of the make it or break it what's interesting to me is I wish they would have released any details about the he said he got offered a take it or leave it deal from Chicago that in his words, would have been a massive setback for his career and a setback for all linebackers in the NFL. And that just – I don't know about you guys. I don't know if he gets traded. I'm with you. I don't think he does. It really makes me want to know what that contract was.
3: Um, I mean, linebacker is the running back of the defense. I mean, it kind of is what it is. Uh, I get you want to go for the super big contract, but there's only so many of those that go out – to linebackers and running backs. And...
1: The other sad news, which will also pertain to one of the teams we're looking at today, is reports uh, from Makai Becton has an avulsion fracture of his kneecap, likely will be out. What's a bullshit fracture? Avulsion. Oh. Fracture of his... I need to check my headphones. Uh, so he played only one game as a rookie last year, was supposed to be coming back to solidify the right tackle position likely out for the entire season. What does this mean for him, Dennis, and what does it mean for the Jets?
3: Well, for Beckton, it means he's just going to take another year to work on getting himself healthy. When healthy, he's a very good offensive lineman. Um, I, I think the he was being moved from right ta- left tackle to right tackle and Fant going from uh, right to left, in, in part because – He's a better right tackle than or Fant is a better left tackle and Beckton is a better right tackle than if Becton is a left tackle and Fant is a right tackle. The the actual line improves overall, and so that was why they made that switch. Uh, in general, the New York line is better even without Beckton. I think it's improved over last year, but obviously you – you don't want to take, you know, a young high draft pick with a lot of talent and basically not having for the first two years of his career, but that's kind of where the jets are with that. Uh, I think he comes back. He'll be, as long as he doesn't go, you know, the Eddie Lacey route while he's out this year uh, rehabbing the knee, I, I think he'll be fine. He'll come back. He'll be, you know, he'll move into the right tackle spot in New York or, hell, maybe they move him down to guard because somebody steps in and, and plays really well. They've been uh, talking with a former All-Pro Dwayne Brown, so it, I wouldn't be surprised if Brown signs a contract in the next 24 hours.
1: Ironically, they said if Brown signs, it's likely that they put him in the left tackle and move Fant back to right tackle. <laughs> yeah. Fant's like, what gives, guys?
3: Well, yeah. you know – Fanta's probably going, well, if I play worse at right tackle and they put me at left tackle, I'll get left tackle money, which is way better than right tackle money.
2: Yeah, I think obviously the biggest hit is probably to the run game. Uh, you know, I was I was pretty excited for, for Brees this year just because I think they will run the ball a lot uh, in that offense, and he probably should get a decent amount of catches from Zach Wilson. I also think this could be bad news for Zach Wilson. I mean, I mean, losing a guy like Becton on that line, uh, maybe it is just a fantasy community because you haven't really heard much from the Jets saying that they don't necessarily believe in Zach Wilson. But I feel like this is a pivotal year for him for the weapons that they brought in in the draft around him and kind of what they're expecting. And so to lose a player like that on your offensive line is obviously not great for him either.
3: Well, I just saw Denny Carter posted something earlier today Zach Wilson, under pressure last year, was last in the league with a 29% completion rate. So, with or without Becton, they needed to be better better uh, on the offensive line.
1: Oh, we will get to uh, Wilson and the rest of the Jets' fortunes here in a minute, but we are going to kick off today with the team that finished third. Hmm?
2: Maybe Before not. we jump in, i got to ask. You mentioned something about scathing comments about Cleveland. I don't know what was said. What happened?
1: I need oh. to know. Uh, Roger Goodell basically, uh, well, not basically, he essentially called Deshaun Watson a sexual predator and uh, called his be- act- behavior egregious. Behavior
3: is egregious and predatory.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would say we're tracking toward probably in the next couple of days than doing a a full season then. But we'll have to see. I just... Uh, interesting to Roger hasn't really said anything this offseason. so but <clears throat> before we before we hear news of that we are going to complete the AFC East and the third place team was the Miami Dolphins they finished 9 and 8 last year second consecutive season over 500 still wasn't good enough for uh, Brian Flores to stick around he is out in Miami uh, joining him in the departures. Devontae Parker went to the Patriots, as we talked about on Monday. Jacoby Brissett, uh, now about to be the starting quarterback in for the Cleveland Browns. Duke Johnson went to the Bills, talked about that on Monday. A lot of intradivisional movement this offseason in the AFC East. And Albert Wilson, if we're calling that key departure there, it was hard to come up with them, went to the Vikings. Key additions, Mike McDaniel is the new head coach. He was the run game coordinator and then offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. They traded for Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. They signed Chase Edmonds. They signed Raheem Mostert and they signed Sony Michelle at running back. They signed Teddy Bridgewater as backup quarterback. They signed Cedric Wilson to be a wide receiver. And they went and got Melvin Ingram at outside linebacker. They did not draft a lot of super fantasy relevant rookies. Their one wide receiver pick was Eric Ezuconma. That's what I'm going to go with. Passing game obviously going to be a big source of scrutiny for Miami this year. Uh, we've talked about it being kind of a, a big season for Tua. He's entering year three. His uh, two first round draft mates, Joe Burrow, has been to a Super Bowl. Justin Herbert looks like he's well on the track toward a Super Bowl, much to Matt's uh, Matt's excitement. Tua, uh, at one point had been kind of the, the big guy in that draft class, but we haven't always seen it on the field. They got him a ton of weapons. Franchise tag, Mike Gusecki. They still have Jalen Waddell, who saw 140 targets last year. They brought in Tyree Kill. Matt, what are you expecting from Tua, and what are you expecting from these three big passing targets? Can they all be top 12 at their position?
2: No. I don't expect who is going to be top 12 at his position, but that does not mean that at least one of these wide receivers can't. We saw Jalen Wadda, I believe, finish top 12 last year. He's 13, Granted,
1: real close.
2: Okay. Granted, that came on 140 targets with 104 catches. I mean, he was obviously hyper-targeted late in that season. Yeah, Devontae Parker, who is missing time. Dennis's favorite, Preston Williams, was injured. It was really just him and Gusecki. I do think Hill is probably still the wide receiver one for this team. They traded a lot to bring him over, and they didn't just do that to be like, hey, by the way, you're going to be like the third guy on the depth chart here. He's going to be the one. And he's still explosive enough. I do think that they will probably use him somewhat in the way they used Jalen Waddle last year, which is get the ball in his hand quickly and let him do work, and we know that Tyree Kill can do that. I don't know that I expect 140 targets for him, though, which is, again, what Jalen Waddle got last year. The next highest was Devontae Parker with 73. I think Tyreek Hill's probably the only one that goes over 100 because Mike Gusecki got over 100 as well. I think that Hill's probably the the hyper-targeted guy with Waddle coming in second, but I think both of them finish fairly close to each other fantasy-wise because I do think Waddle is still a very good wide receiver. I don't think either one of those guys finishes top 12 at wide receiver. I know Tyree Kill fans are probably not going to be big fans of that because dude's been absolutely amazing. He's been typically a top 5 to 8 wide receiver every single year. But I think both those guys fall out of that, probably closer to like the 14 to 18 range this year. I do think both have a chance to finish top 20, which then again you may say, well, that's crazy. Two wide receivers at top 20. Why can't you know to a tongue of Iowa finish top 12? I just don't think he's got the passing touchdown volume to do that, if I'm being honest. Now, maybe I'm going to be wrong on that. I just haven't seen it. I know some of the camp highlights and everything is some of the balls that he's thrown there. He did have one. Uh, I want to say it was to Tyreek Hill, where it was down the sideline, incredible throw, back shouldered right right perfectly into Tyreek Hill in stride, defender right on him. It was a beautiful throw. And we've seen Tua make some beautiful throws on the field during Sundays. He had a game, I want to say it was to Mike Kosicki last year, where he threaded that ball into the perfect spot in between two defenders, right to Mike Kosicki. Nobody here thinks Tua Tungabai was a bad NFL quarterback. He is good, he's just not elite. And that's where I think the fantasy separator is. I think he probably finishes better than what he did last year. I think he's probably in the QB 15 to 20 range as well with those wide receivers. So where do you think
3: Miami finished in pass attempts last year? One to 32. 21. They were eighth in the NFL in pass attempts. Yeah, that ain't happening this year. Oh, I,
2: why would you add? Why
3: would you? You've got Jalen Waddle, Mike Gasicki, and you add Tyreek Hill. Why would you throw less in a situation like that? But
1: what was San That's, Francisco? San Francisco only threw the yeah. ball, threw the ball a hundred fewer times last year. And that is the offensive system.
2: Anywhere you look at where Mike McDaniels has been, they have not been a pass heavy system.
3: Well, they, they built the team to be pass oriented by bringing in Tyreek Hill. Now I will say the yards per attempt was 25th, and I think Tyreek Hill is brought in to improve that specific metric right there. Um, I do think they're still going to be fairly high. You know, eighth probably is a stretch, but I don't think they're going to drop out of the top 20 in pass attempts because I think they're going to be explosive. They have uh, they they spent some money on the O line last year, some draft capital, I think. Um, They've got Gesicki, who's really good. They traded away Adam Shaheen uh, just today for Shaheen in the seventh for a sixth-round pick to Houston. Um, And so they're planning to use Gesicki, and then Durham Smythe is going to be the blocker. They like Hunter Long, so they've got their top three tight ends. Uh, But they've got weapons at at wide receiver outside of Hill and um, Waddle. You know, Cedric Wilson, he was, uh, they didn't just give him jump change in the free agent market. And while you mentioned uh, Preston Williams, uh, RIP, I just don't think he's ever going to be something. He's still on the team. They've got Mohamed Sanu there still um, picking up a paycheck and being a veteran presence. They signed Trent Sherfield, who's probably more of a special teams guy, but pops every now and again. So at the top end of their receiving court, they've got some talent and, I get that McDaniel's McDaniel has always ran a run-heavy scheme, but I think he's also smart enough to know if I've got a super accurate quarterback and three really high-level receiving targets, I'm not going to be a smart coach if I don't use them. So they're still going to be very productive. I don't think Tua's top 10. I figure uh, you know, top 16 maybe. Um, is is sort of the top end of where I think he might land. Uh, I like the receiving core, though. You know, we saw Teddy Bridgewater do three top 25 guys. Now, well, he finished his QB, what, 19 or something. Now, granted, they were only like, what, 21 to 25 or 19 to 25. And I don't think Cedric Wilson and Mike Gesicki kind of bring that same thing. So that makes me believe that – waddle and hill will be a little bit higher up uh than the the low 20s mid 20s early 20s range i think i still think one of them is a a wide receiver low end wide receiver one and the other one is a mid to low end wide receiver two and i'd give hill the one waddle the two
2: so the one thing i'll say real quick format goes is if you go look at the 40 ers they've had pretty good weapons at wide receiver two and they've still run the ball a ton i'm not I, i'm i i agree with you they probably don't drop down to i just guess 21st i would bet they're closer to 20th than they are eighth though this year in pass attempts i i don't think that they're gonna i understand what you're saying but We've seen it far too often from these NFL coaches who think they know better than everybody else, and they they take these round pegs and try to fit them in their square holes in their system instead of adapting the system to the players they have.
1: Um, They did, as we'll get to in a minute, they do now have 75 running backs. Um, I think for me it's not that I don't – like the talent, although I'm completely inverse of you, Dennis, and your feelings about Hill and Waddle. I think Hill, we saw last year, was already a little bit boomer bust and is probably going to be the bigger play guy. The real question to me is if you're looking at that system, and you brought up Bridgewater, one of the reasons they got three receivers into the top 25 is because one of them produced quite a bit of gadget rushing plays. And I do wonder with that 49er system, you saw the success they had with Devo Samuel last year, but is it Tyreek Hill? Is it Waddle? Is it, you know, are they just going to use backs there? They have a, an embarrassment of riches almost in weapons, and I think that's what ends up taking um, taking all of them back off of their potential ceiling, if you're looking at it, because Chase Edmonds – was that they gave him quite a decent chunk of change too. And while he probably will carry the ball, he's been throughout his career a pretty significant pass catcher. And Gaskin saw 63 targets last year. I don't know that they completely abandoned the idea of Passing to running backs. Cedric Wilson, you mentioned, is definitely a guy who's... They did not bring him in just to stand there on the sidelines and wave. You mentioned Durham Smythe being a good blocker. The dude saw 41 targets last year, too. So for me, that's where I... I originally was a a little bit similar to you, and then I thought one would finish low-end wide receiver one and the other one low-end wide receiver two. I've come a little bit closer to what Matt was talking about, bunching them up, but I pulled them both out of wide receiver one. I still think Waddle finishes higher, but I think that they both end up mid to upper wide receiver two. And I also pulled Gusecki out of top 12 tight ends because I think you're right. If he doesn't see 112 targets... And doesn't get that kind of volume and gets pulled back a little bit. I think he ends up more as a top end tight end too. For me, too uh, I have him about the same place as you, Dennis, right around QB 16. My heart wanted to put them him in the top 12 quarterbacks, but then I looked at everything, uh, took a took a minute, got got myself centered, and was like, no, this is probably the dumbest thing I could do setting out my ranks.
3: Well, I, and you mentioned Devante Parker being second on the wide receivers with 73 targets, but that was in 10 games in, in a full season, he was on pace for 124 targets. So I do feel like there is room for both of those wide receivers to breach, to comfortably breach the hundred target mark. Uh, even if there is a decline in passing um, again, I don't think it's going to drop so far that we don't recognize the uh, we don't that we don't recognize the passing game in, in Miami. They're gonna play to the strengths. They've got two explosive wide receivers. I, I do think they're gonna lead the league in yards after the catch, though, by a yeah. substantial margin. I mean, say I, I love Tua. He's okay at best throwing the deep ball, but short to intermediate, he's very, very accurate, and they're gonna scheme those guys into plays where they can run, run, run.
1: So Miles Gaskin's still there, but the offseason seems to have been a little bit of an indictment about how they feel about him as being the guy since they brought in Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and Sony Michelle, So I'll kick it to you first, Dennis. What are you doing with the backfield?
3: I am drafting the one who's going the latest because I just don't know. I mean, I think that's what, let's see, Gaskin is going at running back 82, Michelle 63, um, Mostert 37, and Edmonds 35. You know, I I do think that Edmonds is going to have some games that we look at him and go, wow, this guy, if they would just give him the ball all season, he's going to run the ball really well, maybe not a 1,000-yard rusher, Uh, but he's also going to catch the ball really well. But I think much like Raheem Mostert, I don't know that Chase Edmonds can stay healthy for a full season. So they've got a couple backs that do the same thing with Edmonds and Mostert. Sony Michelle, he's in my eyes, he's kind of replacing Malcolm Brown as the short yardage goal line back. And then Gaskin is third on the depth chart of those versatile backs. Uh, as much as I love Gaskin's versatility coming out of, what was it? Was he at Washington State, Washington, uh, Oregon, somewhere up there in the Pacific Northwest? Who? Gaskin? Miles Gaskin. Washington. Um, as much as I loved his versatility coming out, uh, he just, you know, he's a, another Royce Freeman for me, um, which I think went to, no, Freeman went to Oregon.
1: Um, Royce yeah. Freeman wishes he would have had Miles Gaskins' NFL career.
3: So, you know, it's if I'm going 0 RB or hero RB, I could probably be convinced to take um Chase Edmonds. He's going his uh, ADP right now is 114, so that's what 13th, 14th round. I could I could be convinced to take him there if I I'm much, much more likely to probably pass on him, though, and and take a wide receiver in that range, and, and throw Sh- Sony Michelle or uh, Miles Gaskin
2: on my bench later. If I'm being honest, I don't want any of them. Uh, I I don't want to mess with it. I, I think I'd rather just attack a different backfield while. We know that the any running back – or it seems like any running back in these systems are always super productive and can help you win your fantasy leagues. As Dennis just mentioned, like none of these guys have, like, the best track record for injuries and staying healthy. If you pay up for Chase Edmonds and he's out and you say you don't get Raheem Most or you don't get Miles Gaskin, at the end of the day, that could end up being a wasted pick. We also don't know that it's going to be Chase Edmonds getting a bulk of the carries. It could be split. We have no idea. If I'm paying for one, it's Mostert, because I do feel like he knows that system so well. He's going to be the backup. I think he's a guy who will probably split time with Chase Edmonds, and if I'm being lost, I actually think he's a better running back than Chase Edmonds. So you can get him a little bit later than Edmonds at 56. Well, I like Miles Gaskin a lot. He's only had a couple really good games for fantasy. May, maybe this system helps open up the world for him a little bit more. And he's even better, but I think at that point I'd rather just take a dart throw at somebody else. So if I have to take one, it's Moster. I will say in best ball, I would happily take Sony Michelle because I feel like he's going late enough that I mean, was the RB sixty three two thirteen like? If he ends up with a couple two touchdown games or three touchdown games, they just give him the ball down at the goal line, like he's going to win you some weeks. So, like, I'm perfectly fine taking Sony Michelle in best ball, but like, I don't see him doing much outside of like falling into the, falling over the goal line most weeks.
1: Although he did fill in decently for the Rams. I've, that's the thing. Listen, you guys are all picking different ones. I kind of had different feelings too. I hope, I'll be honest, when I went to go pull, uh, the numbers. I didn't realize Gaskin finished as running back twenty-five last year because I thought he was like a liability on most of my rosters for the entire season. His numbers weren't, I guess, as heinous as I somehow remembered them. Chase Edmonds. I don't mind him in his ADP of running back thirty-five. I think he could do slightly better than that. Uh, but it. You do have a point, like. I don't have a lot of confidence in what the rotation is going to be. There's no team that I'm more curious to watch their preseason games than, than Miami, which is kind of a depressing statement and probably won't learn that much anyway. But I do wonder, Dennis talked about you know taking whichever one's lowest. That happens to be Gaskin. If you were just grabbing somebody at the end of a draft, you could do worse. I, I don't totally disagree with you about Michelle Raheem Mostert, I have that guy finishing as a running back, too. Like, the last two years I was all in, and I feel like he jobbed me so hard the last two years that I just can't bring myself to ride that train again. Um, maybe Can't someday. hold
2: grudges. Can't hold grudges. That's why I drafted Amari <laughs> Cooper last year, and he actually took me pretty far. Can't hold grudges in fantasy,
1: but you can't can prevent yourself from from the need to weep openly on Sundays by just avoiding you know painful hey, areas.
2: Everybody needs a good cry every once in a while. Helps open up the, you know <laughs> the emotional system. Makes you feel better. Well, I I tend to prefer the ayahuasca instead of the crying, but. I don't know what that means. I just turn on a really sad movie and just let it all go. But you know, hey, if 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 football's on Sundays, do it for it does it for you having Raheem Mostert. To each their own. I'm not going to
3: just. I love the psychedelic psychedelic drug that Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that's right, Aaron Rodgers.
1: And Uh, somehow, in an NFL where like if somebody farts in the wrong direction, you get tagged for breaking PEDs. You can take psychedelics, and Roger Goodell said that that was fine. I no, don't I don't think that's it. what
3: he said. Yeah. What he said was, not a, what I'm the a fuck is list. this shit? How is it not on a list somewhere? It's not on a list, so clearly it's not banned. It'll be banned soon.
1: Anyway, speaking of being banned soon, poor Miami Dolphins playoff, playoff bandwagon. It. You know they've they've won ten games in twenty twenty and were just missed last year. They had a horrific start and really came hard charging at the end, but finished nine and eight, just missed. Their over under is eight and a half. Are you taking the over or the under, Matt? And do they make the playoffs? I'm
2: taking the under slightly. I think they get to eight wins, and I do not think they make the playoffs. This is just a loaded. Loaded AFC, and I don't quite think they're up there with some of the best teams. I I actually think the Patriots are going to be. I don't know what you guys picked. I haven't had a chance to listen to the episode yet, but what was the Patriots over under? The Patriots
1: over under was nine, and Dennis and I both took the slight under at eight wins. Over, baby.
2: Ten. I think Mac Jones is taking the Patriots to the playoffs again. With
3: with Matt Patricia and Joe Judges as offensive coordinator. Mac Jones
2: is is Tom
3: Brady Light, baby. He's been struggling all camp. Because right. he doesn't know what the – You know what?
1: If Tom Brady rolled out and saw those two guys as his offensive coaches, he'd fake a Liz frank injury.
2: That's not true at all. Tom Brady would just do Tom Brady things. I think that's what Mac Jones would do. But anyways, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think that they make the playoffs. The AFC, if we were talking about the NFC, yeah, absolutely. The AFC yeah. is just absolutely loaded. Uh, I think the Miami Dolphins are like a year away. That offensive line has improved just a little bit more. And I do want to see what this offense and everything going to look like. I think Mike McDaniels is a good – will be a good head coach. Everybody says he's like one of the smartest guys in the NFL. I don't know that he turns it around in a year.
3: Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, As much as I want to give him the over, I feel like they've got a new coach, a new system. I could see him stumbling out of the block and then putting it together late to go on a a late run. But I'm going to take the under. I think eight is a sufficient number. Um, in a new coach's first year, as they're trying to remake the team. And I agree with Matt. They've got to do, uh, while they have added some O linemen, they do need to keep improving the offensive line. Um,
1: and we'll see where it goes. But I'm taking the under. I'm also taking the slight under. There's kind of a weird bad energy uh, in the team, too, you know, with the fines and their owner getting suspended. I think they end up. 8 and 9 also uh just missing.
2: Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever back in 2012 and now 10 years later they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football. The first ever NFT fantasy football game. A new way to enjoy da- daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is sim- simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contest all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection, rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in any daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt-in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
1: Well, from one uh, sad AFC East team to another, the New York Jets, we were all very excited about Robert Sala going there last year. Um, they have really worked to turn the roster over, but they finished uh, just 4-13 and 13 last year. It felt like at times they were a little better than that, but they the record didn't match. Uh, this offseason, Jameson Crowder left for the Bills. Keelan Cole went to the Raiders, and safety Marcus May went to the Saints. They brought in C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin at tight end, and they also signed Greg the Leg Zerline as their kicker. But they really went wild in the draft, adding more weapons for Zach Wilson in Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. They got Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State, and they got Ohio State tight end Jeremy Rucker. So um, the Jets just stockpiling receivers, running backs, and tight ends hoping something is going to work out Dennis, how are you feeling about Zach Wilson this year? And how are you feeling about the passing game? They have Garrett Wilson, still have Elijah Moore, who did well last year, Corey Davis, who signed that big contract, and your boy, Braxton Berrios.
3: You know, I'm a little bit torn. So Elijah Moore, despite what, missing what seemed to be three quarters of the season, actually played in 11 games and started six, led the team with 77 targets, and scored five touchdowns. I like more a lot. Uh, I think that him and Wilson will complement each other pretty well. I do think we're Corey Davis is getting the short shrift here. Coming off at wide receiver 79. What, what did Davis do last year? In nine games, he had 60 targets, 59 targets. So he was having a, a, an okay year. But I just, as much as I, I just feel like they still are going to need to come together um, and get better. You're added, you've added, they remade their tight end room. Um, they added another wide receiver. They're going to have weapons. I think their offensive line is better, even without Becton. But last year, Zach Wilson was horrible when he was under pressure. Um, he was a rookie. The game's got to slow down for him. He's got a live arm. He can make some plays. He's mobile. I expect growth in year two. And, you know, they've got stability on the coaching staff. Um, For me, I'm cautiously optimistic.
2: My bad. I thought there there was more to add there. I really don't know what to think about the Jets. I do think Elijah Moore is going to be the guy. All the reports out of camp have said that like him and Zach Wilson are continuing to click. Based on the the chemistry that they built last year, as much as I love Garrett Wilson, I think he's definitely going to play second field to, to Elijah Moore just because of also how good he was and how good it seems that he fits in with this offense. And for fantasy, at least this year, I don't think I want anybody else. I, mean, I know Braxton and Barrios really came on in the second half of the season. I think with the way, or with having Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis with Braxton Berrios Barrios there as well, I think they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more. Adding a guy like Brees Hall in there, I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better. They can also dump the ball off to him. So Elijah Moore is the only guy that I think really has a good season this year, and I think he's going to be really, really good. Obviously, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, losing Becton is not great. Well, I agree with Dennis. The offensive line is definitely better than it was last year. Still losing a guy like that, one of the anchors in your offensive line, is not great for the running game or for Zach Wilson, who we saw struggled at times last year. I mean, he made some really impressive throws, had some really good plays with his legs, and the reports have been – I feel like fifty-fifty. You hear a lot of some really positive, then some negative on Zach Wilson. I personally think this is going to be a really big year for him, and seeing if he can even just take a small step forward. Because I do think with you know what is Salah signed for like a really long deal too. Didn't he it? It was like a ten-year deal when he signed with them? Is that correct? I don't. I, I should look it, was it up. That long, but. I it, was, it was it was longer
3: than normal, I think. It was I thought like it was seven or years. Yeah. Maybe it was seven. seven.
2: I, I thought it was long because I remember him coming and said, like this is gonna take some time to rebuild. I don't think that they'll be afraid to move on from Wilson quickly if they don't think he's the guy. So that's why I do think this is a big year for them. I, I like I said, I think Moore has a big year and I'm really intrigued to see what, what halt five
1: years, so it wasn't oh, even okay. as long as we thought.
2: Uh, really intrigued to see what Wilson and Brees Hall look like in this offense. And, and if they do help elevate Zach Wilson as well.
1: Yeah, I get, I get your mention of Corey Davis, Dennis, but last year, I mean, I guess he struggled to stay on the field, but 59 targets, 34 receptions, 492 yards, four touchdowns. I think he's okay, but he's probably like a fourth or fifth option the way they built the offense. Now I'm being more excited about Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore really flashed. Uh, You know, I think they're going to get their running backs involved um, and they, they just have some, some other weapons. I'm kind of with you guys. I think Moore will probably be the best option for fantasy in the passing game this year. And I would like to see Wilson take a step forward. We, I think it's kind to say that he, didn't look incredible last year. I mean, there was a lot of times where they were talking about him being the fourth best quarterback on his own team after we saw Flacco play and Mike White. And I feel like there was somebody else that started games for the Jets too. Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. You know, it seemed like everybody did really well when they came in and uh, Zach Wilson struggled a little bit. I think there is a lot of pressure to take a step forward I sort of agree with you that they might move on. I also think it's a little premature just because of how much he went through growing pains and injury last year. I think if, unless he looks incredibly awful this year, um, they probably will stick with him at least one more year. But the Jets, I, I think if you're a Jets fan – you You just have to hope that they look like they're taking a step in the right direction and winning more of those 50, 50 games that they couldn't get to last year. I mean, part of the
3: challenge was uh, Zach Wilson's he only completed just over 55% of his passes. The next lowest quarterback on his own team was Joe Flacco at 64.3. Johnson was higher than that. uh, And Mike White was higher than that. So it really drives home the, how bad he was under pressure. Um, you know, the other quarterbacks, while not playing as many snaps um, and having as many opportunities, they actually threw 11 touchdowns to nine interceptions versus uh, Wilson's nine touchdowns to 11 interceptions. So he does really need to improve his, his
1: efficiency. Well, so we talked about the passing weapons. Uh, They obviously made a a big uh, step up coming and drafting Brees Hall, who most of us had as the top running back coming uh, into the draft to join there, to join 2021, uh, you know, rookie darling, Michael Carter. Let's pour one out a little bit for Michael Carter, or should we Matt?
2: I don't think he's going to completely go away. But I also don't think he's going to be at all what people were drafting him at the back end of the first round in the rookie drafts or early second round. I mean, he had 147 rushes last year for the Jets. I, Brees Hall, I think, is just a better version of him in every single way, though. He had 147, Tevin Coleman, 84, Ty Johnson, 61. Obviously, Tevin Coleman um, and uh, Michael Carter both missed a couple games. I think it's going to be more of like a 70-30 split for the most part. Because, again, I think Brees Hall is just a better runner. He's also the better receiver, which was kind of one of the things we liked about Michael Carter coming out. Him and Javante when they were at North Carolina, both of them were very good receivers in the college game. But Brees Hall is just better in every single way. Now, with the uh, I feel like we, we've mentioned Becton multiple times here. Again, I do think that hurts him a little bit in the rushing game. But Iowa State never had one of the better offensive lines either, and Brees Hall always seemed to make it work. He's got incredible vision, was really good behind the line of scrimmage, and is very decisive when he sees the hole and his burst to get through. He doesn't have the long speed. I think Michael Carter's probably a little bit faster. Don't let the combine time fool you with his faster-than-Jonathan-Taylor run. Brees Hall's not that fast, people. Like, I'm sorry, he's not. I've watched him three years in college, he is not Jonathan Taylor fast, but... At the end of the day, I think it is going to be like, in my opinion, probably closer to a 70 30 split. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carter gets more catches, maybe if they just use him in that part of the game. So I don't think he's completely done for. But like, if you had to tell me one finishes, or if I had to pick where I think they finish, I do think Brees Hall has a chance to finish as an RB1 or a very high end RB2. I think there's an less than 10% chance that Michael Carter finishes as an RB2. I think he's probably a high-end RB3 at the end of the day.
3: No, I think Carter still brings enough to the table, though, that he's going to get opportunity. I think uh, it's so rare for there to be a 70-30 split. It it just doesn't happen. Um, I think only three or four times last year, Uh, only three or four teams were even anywhere close to that. Um, Even just without being over, uh, I know Pittsburgh was over. um, I don't know who else. I I saw something last week about it. But I think it's probably more of a closer to a 60-40, 62-38 split than it is a 70-30 I do believe that Hall, by by and large, will be the um, the guy running the ball. He's he's bigger, he's stronger at the goal line in short yardage situations. He is a good receiving back, but I think it's going to be a timeshare of sorts, um, just because that's what most teams do nowadays. And we remember where the um, New York Jets coaching staff came from. I mean, we can't sit here and make the argument that uh, Miami's going to do it because they come from the Shanahan coaching tree, but not argue that uh, who's the OC in, in New York? He came Mike LaFleur. Yeah, Mike LaFleur came from the uh, Shanahan tree. So why are we going to argue one team's going to give everybody a shot and it doesn't matter, but we're going to say Brees Hall is going to poo poo that? and get all the carries so I think it's going to be closer to 60 40.
1: Yeah I mean even when Michael Carter was going at the end of last season he was splitting touches with Ty Johnson.
2: I mean the reason I would say that is because nobody was even close to Michael Carter necessarily in carries. I mean Tevin Coleman was the closest at 84 but he only really started five games and I, I just approaching this from the college <clears throat> side of things. We talk about this all the time when you're being recruited over and people look at a running back and say, Oh, well, this guy was still really good in college last year. I'm like, yeah, but they just went and brought a five-star guy in. Clearly they don't think of him as highly as you do. If they went and just did exactly what you expected them to do, they just went and took Brees Hall in the second round and early. If they, thought and believe that much in Michael Carter, they're not taking a running back that early in the second round. They wait.
3: I don't think you can compare college to the NFL. College, you don't have a choice. But you have to, you're replacing – you have to keep the pipeline full in college. In the NFL, I agree. You're, you're, you want to bring in good players, and you're drafting them at value where you think the value is to improve your team. I do think Brees Hall is a better back than Michael Carter, but I don't think he's going to get seventy percent
2: of the touches. And
3: again
1: We may all agree that what well, Michael Piran is not going to be the breakout. No, yeah.
2: Year. He's he's not gonna do anything. My point on that though is if they really believed in their running back room and they really believed in Michael Carter, you're not taking Brees Hall where you take Brees Hall if if San Francisco believed in Trey Sermon, they're not taking Tyrion Davis price where they take Tyrion Davis price. Like you have to let this NFL teams tell you that they're telling you what they think of these players. Cause there's enough running backs in this draft that people thought were decent. They could have taken someone later unless Brees Hall was just valued that highly on their board, which he may have been. I think he's a really good running back. Maybe he was like a top 15 player or whatever on their board. And he fell that far. In my opinion, if you believe that much in Michael – I don't even know if Tevin Coleman's still there. Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, as we just mentioned, the Michael P. Ryan. You're not taking Brees Hall that early. They took him for a reason. and It's so not just – Mike
3: McDaniel doesn't believe in Jalen Waddell is what I'm hearing.
2: He wasn't the one who made the trade, no. But I, I'm sure that he – I'm sure they brought in Tyreek Hill for –
1: Mm. Wide receiver, receiver, you always yeah. play more than you one You play three wide receivers. Really you only play one, one, one running back, one. back at a
2: time most of the time. Yeah, like that's not a fair comm- – Now, if you want to make a fa- – if they would have gone, hey, the Miami just brought in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, so clearly they don't believe in 2 I'd be like, yeah, you're 100% right. They're not bringing Jimmy G in to back him up. Like you're only playing one running back at a time on the field most of the time. Well, the
3: argument are- that I was really making there is that they brought in weapons for Tua because they believe in Tua.
2: Well, that's fine. They can believe in him. doesn't make him a good quarterback.
1: So I think the last position on the Jets, you know, I mentioned they signed Conklin and Uzoma and then drafted Ruckert. Dennis, do you think any of these tight ends make a splash?
3: I think they will all make splashes. Good luck picking the game. Uh, We we saw it last year with Uzoma. He, He literally had like a five-catch, two-touchdown game, and then just disappeared for like five games and then had like a five-catch, two-touchdown game again or one-touchdown game. Just kind of came out of nowhere. Conklin was doing the same thing up in uh, Minnesota. So I do, but maybe not so much with Rucker because rookie tight ends, they're having to learn the receiving side of it. They're having to learn the blocking schemes. So there's a lot on their plate. So they don't necessarily pop. Um, early uh, but there's always the chance because Ruckert was undervalued and underused at Ohio state. That's just how they use their tight ends. Um, so it, it'll be frustrating. I think Uzoma is the one that's going to get the most play, but I do think that Conklin's going to have a game or two where you're, you're going to wish he was in your lineup. Ruckert's going to have a game where you're going to wish he was in your lineup. Um, Maybe one of them gets injured and you kind of clear that clear it up and you, you get a little more uh, can see a little better what's going to happen there. Hopefully nobody gets injured, but um, it's going to be a challenge kind of figuring out who it's going to be at the tight end position for the Jets on any given week.
2: Yeah, if I had to choose one, I'm betting on Rucker as the future. I do think that he is going to be a very good tight end. He was not able to show a lot at Ohio State just because they don't necessarily use the tight end in that offense, but I think he's a very good blocker. We've seen that he has really good hands, and I think he's going to be the future of that room. I think there's enough tight ends that I'd rather bet on somebody else than Tyler Conklin or C.J. Uzoma. Uh, Maybe if they had not brought in Garrett Wilson – I would have believed in one of these guys. But like I don't necessarily think Tyler Conklin's that good of a fantasy option tied in. I mean, he's had moments, nothing special. You know, C.J. Uzoma has been interesting at times, but his best years came really with Joe Burrow, and I'm not going to put Zach Wilson in that or that this offense and passing-wise into that category either. So I'm just fading both of them. I'm taking Rucker with like one of my last picks in a dynasty league and hoping that he pans out in the future.
1: Well, the Jets won four games last year, uh, but they made you know a whole bunch of interesting pickups in the draft and in the offseason. Their over under is five and a half. Matt, are you taking the over or the under?
2: I am taking the slight under. I think they get five wins. I would be very surprised if they if they got over that. I just don't necessarily think this is a very good team. Uh, Again, offensive line, losing Becton. I need to see more from Zach Wilson and and the offense. And this defense, I mean, it had moments last year, and I think that's why they brought Salah over. I think he's a really great defensive head coach. He was a guy that I wanted the Browns to go after. I I thought him coming over there with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, would really make that defense scary but I need to see them actually take that step forward. I think they're in a really good division and how good I expect Miami, or not Miami, New England to be and Buffalo. And again, the just AFC in general, I think is an absolutely loaded conference. So I think that they get five wins. Um, honestly, I probably think they get less than five, but I'll go with five. I'll take the slide under.
3: Yeah. I'm taking the under as well. Um, it it would take quite a growth spurt by Zach Wilson. I think to to get them over.
1: I'm going to take the over. I think they can get to six or seven wins. I like Robert Salah, and I like some of the pieces. Uh, I don't know if they'll always look incredible, but something just tells me that the the Jets are going to take a little mini step forward. But part of it for me, I think I've mentioned this a few times, I think most teams are going to be between six and 11 wins. All the way around. Well, that will do it for the AFC East. We will be back live on Monday with America's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and also the Dallas Cowboys. So until then, Dennis, rate and review.
0: Prepare for glory! I came out to rule out already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for the team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. die, lead. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.